this is a big role. I mean, it's a small role, but it's reoccurring. This is a big job. This is a real job. Don't screw up. I still have not seen pictures of porn stars body painted to look like superheroes. Oh my god, nothing is original ever anymore. Oh my god, you guys, seriously, come on, nod, knock it off. Don't screw up! Welcome to the Bitterest Pill, it's Dan Class. I'm in my garage under the flight path of Los Angeles International Airport. Located uh, here in Los Angeles, California. 60609. I don't know, where, where is 60609? Where am I pulling that little piece of completely useless information from brain-wise? Is, was that the zip code of Zoom? Zoom, box 350, box, no, that was 02134, centered to Zoom. What, what was 60609? Was that something on the prices right where they'd be like, and send it to prices right of all six, no? Where would six? Is that even a zip code? Six zero six zero nine. That's five, nine, six, seven, five. Yeah, that could. That, it's got to be. Where's six? Do you live in six zero six zero nine? Is that where you've been all this time? Is six zero six zero nine? Where? Wait, we got to look that up later. How have you been? I'm. I'm okay. You know, I'll tell. To be, to be really honest with you, I'm very depressed. And I know I don't sound like it. Uh, because coming in here and recording to you, I, I have to get all kind of upbeat. But it's been a weird day or so, day and a half. Both of our kids, now you know I'm married and we have two kids. Both of the kids are away right now. And that's weird. My daughter, 12 years old, is on a school-associated retreat to Malibu, California. So it's not that far, but it's still, uh, you know, overnight Two nights, two nights overnight, three days, two nights, Malibu, California. And then our son is in St. Louis, Missouri, 60609. No, that didn't sound right either. Anyway, yeah, he's in St. Louis. He's uh, he's on the school robotics team at Wild Winds. And they made it to the championships. The What do they call it? Is it the championships or the finals, nationals? They made it to nationals with their robot. The robot's name is really Snowflake. It's true. And so they will be competing, yeah, in the first F-I-R-S-T, I forget what they're called, first international robotics stress technology, I don't know. It's the first st- actually stands for something. It doesn't mean just first, like we're number one. But um, anyway, so first robotics championship final nationals are uh, coming up right now in St. Louis, Missouri, 60609. And that's where he is. So my wife and I have the household to ourselves, which that's not the depressing part. Being home alone with my wife is actually not that depressing. That's actually fine. It's the thought that we, you know, it it feels like a dry run for when the kids are gone, gone. And I don't like that part. No offense to my wife, but I I just, the, the feeling that we're done with all of that is creeping me out. And we only have two years with Hudson, really. And then he's going to go somewhere to study things. Oh, elsewhere. And I'm not, I'm not happy about that. I'm, I mean, I'm thrilled about that. I hope he, right, obviously, as a rational human being, I hope he goes somewhere. I hope he goes to college and goes somewhere and has a very fulfilling life. And it doesn't have to include his mommy and daddy all the time. But, oh, my God. 
No. No. This is not this is not happening. I know it's happening. I know it's happening every day. I know I've known it's happening since the day he was born. In all seriousness, the moment he kind of out into the world and looked at me with those big eyes, I th- thought, you know what? The countdown has begun. And I know no matter how much I love you, that someday you will not be with me. Holy crap. And so far, for over 16 years, some part of me every day has felt like, holy crap, another day gone. And it's only the kids that I really feel like that with, which is why I'm, uh, you know, my age and I have so little to show for my life. Although I do have some iced tea here, which is something. So, so the kids are gone. And I'm going to tell you this just so I don't forget, because if I don't tell you now, we'll get caught up in other things. I'll get very emotional later about other things. And I, I won't remember to tell you. And I'm hoping that I can describe part of this to you in words so that you can understand it fully because some of it's a little visual, but I dropped my iPhone into the toilet again. I should say I dropped an iPhone. I dropped my current iPhone in the toilet, much like the time I dropped a different iPhone into the same toilet. Now, when I first got an iPhone, you know, Obviously, you don't want to drop your iPhone in a toilet. That That's kind of a given. When you get an expensive piece of electronics, especially when I first got mine, it was very exciting when you get your first iPhone, right? To get an iPhone is very exciting. And you're even like there's part of your mind in the back of your mind. You're always thinking, hey, don't drop this in the toilet. And that seems like a given. And yet, you know. Because honestly, it's so easy to, that, right? You have an iPhone, suddenly there's easy internet access in the bathroom. Because maybe, hypothetically, just maybe you have a torturous colon. I don't even know what that means. But let's just say that you could have one. And so certain processes require a certain length of time, relaxation, and distracted thought. So whatever this torturous colon thing can kind of whatever be circumvented or overcome or relaxed into some sort of Zen-like state and things can be accomplished. Okay, let's just assume that having internet access can distract the brain for prolonged periods of time, etc. and so on. So the first phone that I that I dropped into the toilet, I actually didn't drop it into the toilet. It did fall into the toilet, but I didn't drop it into the toilet. I, the toilet, okay, we have a very small bathroom in the back of our house. I maybe told you this many, many years ago because I had this show when I ha- also had the toilet full iPhone. I had the iPhone in my hand and it slipped out of my hand at least this is my memory, and maybe I made this up, I don't know. But my memory of it is I, I, I dropped the phone somehow. It bounced off the side of the sink, which is directly next to the toilet, and fell into the toilet. And that was that, and it was dead. Immediately dead, 
fried. This was before we knew the trick about putting it in a bag of rice. It was goner. It was a goner. And I ended up replacing it at full retail, $600 or whatever it was, because once you get an iPhone, you can't go back to not having an iPhone. And I'd only had it for a couple weeks and I killed it. So last Tuesday, I admit that I was finishing up binge-watching Chuck. Okay, I admit it. I admit it. That's what had been happening. Okay? And so, maybe it was in a slightly emotional state because it was this finale finale of Chuck. You understand? It's Chuck. It's a little geeky. It's a little action-y. It's a little romantic. It's a Chuck, right? Okay, it's Chuck. So, and I may or may not have used the Facebook app on the phone. I'm, so, I, so I watch Chuck and I'm, I'm a little emotional. And then I may have switched over to Facebook to see if anybody sent me a message. And do you use Facebook on your phone? Because what happens every time, right, is that you turn on the Facebook app and then it shows you some interesting post that catches your eye. And then the whole thing reloads and that thing goes away. And then it's something boring. And you spend the next hour looking for the exciting thing that you saw that went away when it reloaded. True or false? Things I have seen that immediately reloaded that I spent over an hour looking for again. Ready? Porn stars body painted to look like superheroes. Boom. Took me an hour to find that one. Number two. Japanese game show where men sing karaoke while receiving manual stimulation. By a woman dressed as a nurse. Hour and a half to find that one again. If you stimulate a corpse enough, it can achieve an orgasm. An hour, 15 minutes, 37 seconds. To find that again on the Facebook X. So, so I think I watched the end of Chuck. And then I saw the thing. It was actually the one about porn stars body painted to look like superheroes, which I... I honestly, I found, and then something came up. I still haven't seen it. I still have not seen pictures of porn stars body painted to look like superheroes. But as I'm getting frustrated that I couldn't find it, I stand up because I'm done. Now, when I was watching Chuck, I had earbuds in, and I then took them out of my ears, but I took the cords and I put them together, and then I put them kind of around the back of my neck, which is something I don't usually do, to tell you the truth. So I stand up. The, the cord is around the back of my neck, okay? The phone, because I, I just wasn't paying attention, and I was too busy trying to think, hey, it'll be funny to talk about porn stars, body painted to look like superheroes, right? So I stand up. The phone, I forget. I've, sat, I've set it on my lap, right? So I stand up. My lap disappears. Because that's what happens. The phone would... Now, this is as I'm standing up. So I'm getting higher. The phone's falling. It's getting lower, right? It would have just fallen onto the floor. But as it's falling, I'm standing up and turning to face and flush the toilet. As it does that, it falls and then catch, right, the length of the cord is there. And the phone starts to swing on the end of the earphones, right? And it swings forward. 
And then it does the thing that you used to do when you were a kid. You know when you were a kid and you would swing really high and be like, swing, swing, swing. And then you'd swing so high that it would go thump like that. Like you'd come, you wouldn't go down backwards in an arc. You'd go straight down and it would go thump. Well, the phone goes swing, straight down, thump. Pulls enough force to get off of the earbuds and splash. Into a bowl of my own now luckily my lightning reflex <laughs> I grab it but there is that moment there's that, there's that pre right swift twitch muscle fiber reaction there's a moment of like well, I just, just right there is that moment there's that moment of like oh, I don't know if I am going to recover from even if the phone well, this is a call. This is I gotta make a call here. Even in a split second, there's still party like, oh, should I even bother? So I make the decision. I snatch it out of the toilet. I rush it into the kitchen. I strip it of its otter box, and I start patting it down with paper towels. But it's still on. It didn't die. It didn't die. It didn't die. It didn't die. It's still on. It didn't die. It didn't die. And I'm rubbing. I'm wiping it with wipes, with wet wipes, with Windex. And I figure, you know what? I got to disinfect this thing. If I kill it disinfecting, it's going to be bad. But the disinfecting process is a necessary process. So let's just go for it, shall we? So it didn't die. I disinfected it. I disinfected the otter box with my Windex or whatever it was. I put the whole thing back together. I put it in my pocket like nothing ever happened. So if you ever see me standing around talking on the phone or checking my email, right? Listening to some podcasts, taking a picture of my daughter. The phone I'm using has touched my poop. So, so then later on, that same morning, and I swear it was probably only about a half an hour later because Melissa was still here and she's getting ready to go to work. She has to go to somewhere, who knows where, but she's doing that thing that she always does where she's running around the house frantically looking for all the things that she can't find. So she, so I'm just like, <laughs> so she finally leaves, which is my cue to then I can use the bathroom again because I don't want to use either bathroom while she's running around the house because she could she could need something from either bathroom at any moment. God only knows what. There's going to be shouting and screaming and swearing at herself and myself and everything. I just got to stay out of there. So by the time, right, she leaves, I usually have to use the bathroom. So the minute she, so I go. And I know this is after this story, there's going to be no discussion of pee pee cock, I promise. So she leaves, locks the door, drives away. I go into the bathroom and I admit that like an idiot, I am standing there urinating. And I think I do this all the time. Guys, you do this all the time. Just admit it for once. Just admit for once that 99.99% of the times that you urinate, you with your other hand, pull your phone out of your pocket and check your email. Just admit that you do it. Just admit it now that I'm not the only one. The, the, the women are going to think I'm crazy, and that's fine. Guys, we all do it. It only takes one hand to pee, and the other hand, right, can thumb, right, scroll up and down your email. It's not a big deal. So I'm thumb scrolling through my email as I urinate. My wife calls me because I, God forbid, 
So I pick up the phone. Yes, dear. What is it? Uh, did I leave my makeup bag uh, in the bathroom? And I look around. I'm like, no, it must, I think I saw it in the living room. Can you bring it out to me? Sure. And as we're having this conversation, some part of my brain says, hey, you're done peeing. You can go ahead and put uh, a junior away. Okay, so I'm talking on the phone with one hand and I'm putting things away with the other hand. And then another part of my brain goes, hey, the first part of your brain was wrong. You know, the first part, the, the part that said we were done peeing, that part was wrong. I'm just checked. I checked just now. We're actually still urinating. But now the equipment is inside your clothes and not outside of your clothes. You're a grown man peeing your pants on a Tuesday morning. Because why? Because your wife called and you're checking email and you're worried, right? You're upset that she's, you're not even upset that she's interrupting your pee pee action. You're actually upset that she's interrupting you trying to check your email while you're peeing. And so you decide to go ahead and talk to her on the phone, continue to check email and pee in your pants. Sickening. Just sickening. All right, so I have not done that since. So that was last Tuesday. Today is this Thursday. And I promise you I have not peed my pants or dropped my phone into a bowl of poop since. I'm done with that. I'm over. I've done it. We've talked about it. It's it, ha, ha, ha. Right, we're done. That's it. We're good, right? Okay. My elbow hurts a little bit. Do you ever, does your elbow ever hurt? Parts of my body hurt when I, uh, and I don't really, I'm not really exercising much lately. So why does it hurt? Because I'm not exercising? Because when I do exercise, my body hurts then too. So it's really like, well, if my body's going to hurt when I exercise and it's going to hurt when I don't exercise, why, why am I exercising? You know what I mean? So everywhere I go, so last week, so Tuesday I peed myself and dropped the phone in the toilet. When did all, so I started having all these auditions. And everywhere I go, um, they make me sign a non-disclosure agreement. Okay? So, and I don't, I mean, how many of those can you read, right? So I don't exactly read every single one and try to extrapolate from the exact wording some argument that I can make at a later date about what I may or may not have said on a podcast because that's what they all are. All those non-disclosure agreements are so you don't twit, tweet, Twitter, face post that blah, blah, blah is doing a new commercial where this happens or a TV show where that, oh God, I forgot about that commercial. Oh geez, I got to talk about that one too. But seriously, since I peed, I've had two TV and two commercial auditions that I can't tell you about. But that's what I do as I tell you about these things. So I, I have to tell you about them without telling you about them. Does that make sense? So how are we going to even do this? See, okay. A very famous, successful comedian 
has a TV show on TV. And it's a comedy show. And he's a very, very popular stand-up comedian. And he is creating with his friend a show about her that I assume will be on after his on the network that they're on. Okay. So I had an audition to be in the pilot to be a reoccurring role, be a reoccurring character on a TV show by a comedian that I like a lot. Even he's the king of comedy right now. It's created by him and his friend. And it's going to be about his friend. Okay? But I'm not allowed to tell you anything about it. I probably told you too much. Although I think in the non-disclosure agreement, it always says, hey, listen, you can tell people thing, right? You can tell people things that they would have found out elsewhere as it pertains heretofore forthwith in the therefore uh, mass media, etc., etc., the party of the first. But how do I know that that I don't even know what I'm allowed to listen. So it was a reoccurring role to play a character that would be a reoccurring. And they're literally being so secretive about it. And this is why I don't want to say who it is, even though if you haven't figured it out, you're not paying attention to uh, the American comedy scene right now, stand-up comedy scene. They're so secretive. So this is what happened. So my, oh my God, that's right. I, uh, oh Jesus, this is such a bad story. So I get, um, you know, this email from my agent says, oh, you have an audition. It's for the show. It's created by me and it's directed by him and it's starring her. And it's written by the two of them and it's going to be on the show, the thing, the thing. And it's for a reoccurring role, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, well, where's the sides? Now the sides are the little part of the script that they give you when you're going to audition and there's no sides. We're not releasing sides. You have to come in a half an hour beforehand and get the sides and then learn the sides, do the audition, and then give us back the sides because it's so top secret. It's so top secret. We don't want you taking home the sides and scanning the sides because the sides, we can't have the sides be out in the world with the sides. Now, to me, I actually think that's wonderful because I do so much better nerves wise if I don't have 24 hours or whatever it is to worry about the sides, to rehearse and overthink this and overthink that and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I like to I need to know, right, who the character is and what the relationship is with everybody around them and all that stuff. But I don't really right need to like freak out about it. So I thought that was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. And I thought that was pretty good. So like, OK, great. So the next day, so so the audition the audition is at um ten o'clock, which means I have to be there at nine thirty. And it's downtown, which means I gotta leave. I like I don't know. I I guess immediately after dropping off Hudson from school. Okay, ah uh, okay. Well, Melissa's shooting last week. She's shooting new commercials for. Am I allowed to say Mazda? I mean, I don't even know what I'm allowed to say anymore. This this whole thing has become like a cerebral, right? Okay, so am I allowed to say that she's shooting commercials for Mazda? That's what she works on. My wife makes commercials for Mazda. They're making new commercials. Am I allowed to? Am I allowed to even admit that there are people that make commercials in TV shows? Are we allowed to go that far? So. 
I have to take my daughter to school and then I have to take my son to school and then I have to drive across town to do this thing downtown for the TV show that I can't tell you. Okay. And then I think the same day I have to audition for another commercial for a commercial where I have to dress up like a groundskeeper that would work on a football stadium. Now, you know me. No one can nail a role that has something to do with sports quite like yours truly. My knowledge of sports is so in-depth. I know the history, the trivia. I know all the players. I know the, all the, the owners of all the teams, all the, the, the dresses and zip codes of all the stadiums. Yankee Stadium, 60609. To say that I have no idea what a greenskeeper is supposed to look like from an NFL stadium, I mean, I guess I knew they had greenskeepers because apparently they do play on real grass a lot of the time. Ah, uh, I guess. I don't know. That's what Google's for. I Googled a bunch of stuff. I found one of the guys, I guess, I'll dress like that. I don't know. But I got it all, work out. I got it all worked out after I drop off Hudson. Right. I'll wear my clothes for the TV show audition. I'll go over there. I'll, I mean, it's literally all the way from Santa Monica to downtown at nine in the morning is the worst time to be traveling. So it's OK. I'm going to take service streets. I love it, whatever. And then I'll do that thing and then I'll go. And I'll do the groundskeeper thing and then I'll blah, 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 blah. OK. So I drop off Hudson and I drive across town to downtown to the audition that I can't tell you about where I have no script, right? Okay. And I don't know whether I need to um, park at a meter or park on the lot. There's not that many places. I'm not even sure where to get into this. You know, you understand? I've never been there to audition before. I've been there to work a couple times. It's where we shot the HBO elevator commercial and the dead body commercial I think we shot there. This for CSI. I think maybe even the first commercial I was ever in, we shot there. I don't know. I feel like I've been there many times. But I've never been there to audition, so I don't really know what the protocol is. So I I end up going to the guard gate and say, hey, do I park here? I'm uh, Dan, and I'm here for the show. And they're, and they're like, oh, I don't know. And So they ask me for my ID, and they call up there. And then they say, oh, okay. And then they say, here's your parking thing go down a level and then come up and then you go in the thing and then the thing. So I go down and I park and I come back out and then I go to the reception and she's like, oh, you want to go to F45 and that's down here and you go to, to the left and then go up to the third floor and blah, blah, blah. Okay, great, great. So I do all those things and I think, you know what, before I go in and sign in and get these sides, I'll go to the men's room, you know, check my uh, collar, check my hair, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Make sure I'm looking fresh. Make sure my eyebrows are properly down. At my age, you got to check your eyebrows. I know that's horrible, but you do. You got to check your eyebrows. You got to check. Gentlemen of a certain age, check your eyebrows. Okay? So I walk down the hall and I see Sweet 45 or whatever. And it's very quiet in the hallway, which I think is weird if they're going to be auditioning for this big pilot that this stand-up comedian is doing with his friend about her life, right? That's weird. So I walk by the office where everybody would be waiting and there's no one in there. 
And I think that's weird too. And then, well, you know what? It could be just that uh, I'm really on super on time. Maybe I'm the only guy actually at 10, which means I'm the only guy showing up at 930 to get the script 30 minutes ahead of time, right? And then I remember the time that I went to the audition a day early. See, 99.99% of the time that I have an audition, it's tomorrow. If, I, if you tell me about an audition today, odds are good, it's tomorrow. Especially with commercials, it's tomorrow. When's your audition? Tomorrow. So I look at the email, and the audition is not on Thursday. It is on Friday. I have driven across town for nothing. No. I have gotten up at 5.15 in the morning to shower and shave and put on my costume clothes to drop my daughter off at our friend's house early so I could drop Hudson off right on time so I could get across town in time to be 24 hours early for an audition. So I text my agent, hey, <laughs> I think I'm here on the wrong day. Uh... Well, apparently, the guard, the guard gate called up to the casting office and said, Dan's here. And the casting office didn't expect me. So great. Now I'm the idiot. See, I thought I got away scot-free. I thought by sneaking by the office and noticing no one was there and then leaving that I got away scot-free. But no, everybody knows that I was there on the wrong day. So I went to my ground. I did the groundskeeper thing. That was just like, meh. I did such a good job cutting the grass. You know, I don't even know what the line was. But it was, I was a greenskeeper in a commercial with, you know, 30 other people. So, you know, whatever. It was, it was fine. I had a little polo shirt on. I made myself a little sticker that had the NFL logo on it. It covered the BMW logo on my shirt. And I did, the, you know, whatever. But, of course, now I have to tell my wife and family, oh, yeah, you know how we all had to go and we get the thing and the early and all that crap? You know, remember that? Got to do it again Friday. So Friday, how does this even, I don't even know how any of this times out, but um, I don't even know. Maybe it was a callback. I don't know. It's so confusing. Anyway, so Friday, so Friday I go back. There's no one there when I arrive at 9.30. Luckily, a couple of minutes later, a guy shows up. A couple more minutes later, a lady shows up to open up the office. And then more guys. So, so luckily, a bunch of guys. Unfortunately, it's like a lot of guys show up because, okay, now this is serious. This is really a thing. And one thing I always do find fascinating about casting is, um, you know, in a way, we all looked the same because we were all white guys many of whom had thinning hair. But it was just so weird. Like some of us were really tiny and some of us were really tall and some of us were really thin and some of us were kind of portly and some of us looked 
like we'd been to college and some of us looked like we dug ditches and some, you know what I mean? It was just like, it was interesting in that way. So the thing that I'm trying to work on when I'm in an audition, because I don't think I audition well, and I think the, one of the parts of the auditioning process that I don't do well is is chitty chatty beforehand. Like, I can be waiting for an audition, and I, the guy goes in before me, and everyone's in there laughing for five minutes, and then he walks out laughing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this guy is the funniest guy. Like, he goes in there, he's so funny. Like, what are you saying in there that's so funny? Because... Nine times out of ten, trust me, it's not the script. So I keep thinking, like, when I go in there, I got to be relaxed and just make chit-chat and seem nice and open and easy to work with and just keep talking or whatever. Just be all right. So I'm the first on the list. So when it comes time, right, I go in and I'm trying to keep things talking and they're sort of like seem like they want to get down to business because they feel like they're already running a little late. But then one of them's having technical difficulties because they got to videotape everything, but on a computer also so they can email it to the comedian or something. I don't know. And I'm trying to keep things going. And the lady says to the other lady, I got new glasses. And then she says, and I say, oh, are they from Warby Parker? And she's like, yeah, but I'm sort of like, am I bothering you? I thought you invited me in. Okay, this is so weird. So... <clears throat> Usually they ask you if you have any questions. I don't think she asked me if I had any questions, but I did actually have a question, which is like, you know, in the script where it says that the guy, like somebody liked something that he did, was it this kind of thing or that kind of thing? And she's just sort of like, oh, I don't know. It's that kind of thing. Like she was being really non-specific about it. And I wanted to be really specific about it because I'm kind of an actor. You know what I mean? (coughs) And I... I'm really super, slightly super, like, uh, psychotically insecure. So I immediately translate her not telling me to either A, she hates me, and I wonder why, or B, she thinks I'm fishing around for details about this script that I'm not supposed to know anything about, and I'm going to leak it to the press. Why is he asking me all these questions about the thing? It's because I want to know. I want to know if he's, like... Upper middle class or middle middle class or lower middle class. I don't know anything about that. I'm trying to just, I'm trying to figure out actually, is this character based on the real performer's real father who I was able to Google? Or is this a completely fictionalized thing or what is going on? Right? Did he, he like made something. Well, what was it? Was it a bomb? Was it a plate of cookies? Was it a child out of what? What did he make? What, well, you know, it could have been a, it could have been this or could have been, it could have been a bomb or some cookies or whatever. He just made something, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. And I, I did it. And I left. I'm sure it went fine. I guess. I don't know. I don't, I have no idea. Cause it was kind of, you know, it was kind of small and I don't know. It was just whatever. I'm just too, I have no idea. So then I left. So then I ended up getting a call. But I ended up doing a callback then for the groundskeeper guy. And that was kind of weird. The whole time I was in there, I'm staring at the director. The director keeps giving me notes and keeps talking to me. And I'm listening to him and I'm, and I'm taking in the notes and I'm making the changes that he's asking for. But part of my brain's going, where do you know this guy from? 
Why does he look so familiar? Have you worked together before? Did you go to high school together? Did you go to college together? Where do you know this guy from? Does he work with your wife? Did he used to work with your wife? Is he the husband of someone that used to work with your wife? Who the hell is this guy? And part of the reason I'm having all this kind of quandary is a couple of weeks ago, I, a guy, a friend of mine from college hired me, he's a director, hired me to do a commercial. Thank God. I think he might have saved my life. I think really, honestly, if I hadn't done that commercial two weeks ago by now, I would be currently jumping off a bridge. But he hired me for a commercial. So in my mind, it's possible to work with someone that you know from college, right? So the whole time I'm like, I, I guess, I don't know. Do I know this guy from like the TV station at school or the radio station? Or would we go to high school together and he just lost a lot of hair and that's why I don't like what is happening? And it didn't even dawn on me until after I left. It was like, oh, that's the guy who directed the, the Sprite commercial that I was in in 1998. The Death Slug Sprite commercial. Oh my God, it would be so awesome to work with him again. So while I'm waiting to find out about the, the TV show with the comedian and his friend and the reoccurring thing, it could be a big... Because even before we go in, the lady, the casting lady comes in and goes... I forget exactly how she put it. One of them said something like, blah, blah, blah. This is a big role. I mean, it's a small role, but it's reoccurring. This is a big job. This is a real job. She's basically looking at us like, one of you idiots. It's going to have a real thing going. And the rest of you, whatever. Get lost. But one of you guys, mm, good stuff. Okay, so don't screw up. So then while all this is going on, and I, and I auditioned for another commercial, and again, I have to sign a non-disclosure agreement for all those. This commercial that I had, I'm not getting it. I haven't gotten called back, and it's fine. I, whatever. Had the most unoriginal concept, like joke. You know how some visual... I Once it starts to air, I'll tell you, because then, you know, whatever. Right? Once it starts to air, I'll tell you. What was the client? It's like Geico, or what was it? And now I don't, I'll have to look it up, which is like, oh my God, nothing is original ever anymore. Oh my God, you guys, seriously, come on, nod, knock it off. But then I got an audition and again, another non-disclosure agreement to do one line. I'm like, really, this is what my career has come to? One line? One line. And then I look at the thing, I'm like, oh, but it's one line with a guy that used to be you know, he's kind of like in superhero movies and space movies. You know what I mean? Like one of those guys. You know what I mean? Can you think of a guy that's in like superhero movies and like maybe was the captain of a spaceship? You know? Very engaging. Kind of has that X factor. Like I'll do a line with him. I would do I would do a line with him. Let's do a line with him. Not that kind of line. I'll do a line of dialogue with him. Well, I would probably do a line of coke with him. Sure, why not? Which is not to say I would I would ever, ever... I would never do cocaine, but I'm just saying hypothetically... No, I would never... Yeah, of course. So, one line, one line, one line. You know how hard it is to do one... And it was really two lines in a way. It was two sentences, but one just little thing. <laughs> 
But I think that shoots tomorrow, so I don't think I got that. But the problem with all this stuff is it's very exciting. It's very exciting. So I, I, I was put on a, I was basically like on the super short list for the commercial with the director that I'd worked before. They, if you're on the super short list, they tell you because they have to check and make sure you're available, right? They put you on a veil, as they call it. So it's very exciting to audition for this, this comedy for, with the stand-up comedian, is right? And the thing with the guy who's in the superhero movies and the space movie... TV show, whatever, right? And the commercial, because the commercial would have paid some bills. And the TV shows, right? That would be great. Or the reoccurring, it's a big job. You know what I mean? Like, it's all exciting. And then that all kind of goes away when you think, ah, I'm probably not going to get any of this stuff. And it's all exciting. And now it's not. And my kids are out of town. And I am back at zero. Dropping my phone in the toilet. It's a weird, it's a very weird existence to go from, wow, I could, could I really get like a normal job as an actor? Like actually feel like I've crossed some line into the realm of, I don't even know what. I just feel like there's an invisible line that I have yet to cross that would at least make me feel differently about something. But when that all comes to land, I'm just, I'm back at home literally searching for information on what it takes to become a real estate agent because it's one of the few things I can think of that I could do and I'd still be free to torture myself by still going on auditions and torture myself going to open mics in little pizza places trying to get my sea legs back doing stand-up It's so hard to know if, I don't know, it's just very hard for me to act in an office. It's so hard to know anything, anything at all. I auditioned for Mark Maron's show. I should try to figure out who got that part. I auditioned to be a shrink. That would have been awesome. Can you imagine? I'd actually get to work with a real podcaster. Uh, to be on Mark Maron's show as a as a psychiatrist, I didn't get that either. But I was so excited just at the prospect of like, might I feel? And this is weird because that's it's a really small show. I don't think that many people watch the show, but it's a real show on a real network, right? It's really on. It's really on Netflix. But also, just I would feel like I had maybe cross some invisible line and like, yeah, I was on a show that comedians are on, that funny people are on, that I maybe I was not even doing that funny a role, but there would just be something kind of affirming about that. But the whole system seems impossible. And you start to realize how It's really just, it's not even roulette. It's something even worse than roulette. <laughs> you know? I don't know. I leave those rooms and I have, uh, I mean, it's inevitable. I have this physical, because I even had it when I didn't have the audition. I have a physical post-audition letdown of adrenaline that results in this weird depression. 
And I even had it Thursday when I didn't actually audition, but I had like physically, emotionally gotten prepared for it. And then it, and it, and then afterward, I was just like flush. You know what I mean? So I leave every audition like, I think that went well. And then like that. And then I'm like, uh, what am I doing with my life? What have I done? Not even what am I doing? What have I done? I'm deep enough in my life now. I'm old enough now where I'm old enough to have done something or not done something with my life. With my one pass at this. And a sane person would go get their real estate license. And start showing houses. And meeting people. And going to open houses and, and, and listing properties. But maybe that's the same exact thing. Just instead of getting a little couple lines on a TV show, you sell a house. And it's really gratifying on those off chance uh, times when you do. But most of the time, it's just beating your head against a wall. I mean, is that what a lot of people are doing? I mean, not everyone, but a lot of us. Is that really all we're doing? Is just constantly beating our heads against a wall? In which case, what I'm doing does not seem that insane. Yeah, I know a lot of people that have regular jobs, but even people with regular jobs, they could lose those regular jobs at any minute. Anyone in a performance-based industry is always beating their, their themselves against a wall, right? But I wonder if being a real estate agent is just being an actor, just different. I still need pictures. <laughs> you know? I still need a headshot. I put it on postcards with the pictures of a couple of houses I'm trying to sell instead of TV shows I'm trying to be on. I'd still run around meeting people and auditioning, showing them house after house after house, and eventually maybe selling one, maybe. But do you know you're going to sell enough of them to make your year? Is there any way to know? There's no way to guarantee anything because so much of it's out of your control. How does anybody do it? How do you do it? How do you hang in there if it's not your dream? How do you hang in there if it's not the thing that you think you were born to do? How do you hang in there if it's just a job? All right, that's it for the bitterest pill uh, this time. Episode number, I don't know what, 320, 329, wow. All right, well, thank you so much. Hey, drop me a line if you uh, so choose at pill at danclass.com or contact me at uh, facebook.com slash danclass, twitter.com slash danclass, whatever. 
The Bitter's Pill, of course, as always, is made possible by a generous donation by my wife and by our supporters on Patreon or Patreon. Oh, shoot, I forgot to look up and figure out how that's pronounced. I don't want to do this every time. I want to actually know how it's pronounced, but I forgot to look it up. I'm so sorry. Either Patreon or Patreon. You, too, can support the show by simply going to, uh, I don't know where, just go to Patreon and, or Patreon and search Dan Class or The Bitter's Pill or something, and you can help keep the show going, help pay for the bandwidth and the equipment and the antidepressants, much like our friends, uh, you know, Tom Carroll, David Chase, Tatiana, Camilla Nina, Chris Class, Flores Delamains. Flores, write me, write me a phonetic thing about your name, would you? Do you have phonetics in your land? Write out how American Dan is supposed to pronounce D-A-E-L-E-M-A-N-S. Did I say Chris Class yet and Scott Mercer? All those people and more help keep this show afloat. You can help too. Uh, Patreon, you you commit to uh, donating X number of uh, dollars to the show per episode. It'll help me. It'll help keep me here in the garage. Anyway, thank you for listening. I do appreciate it. Oh, I still haven't talked to you about destroying my car. Oh. Ah, denial. Okay, well, next time I'll tell you about destroying my car on the bitterest pill. Okay? Okay, thanks for listening. Bye. The Bitter's Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's 